how to find your alpha audience and the people that actually care about your brand with Mark Schaefer, episode 47. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step-by-step growth and online marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here, and let's start with another episode now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Growth Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Happy New Year. If you're listening to this episode, this will be the first episode of the new year, 2016. I wish you all the best in you in this new year. I hope that you accomplish all of your goals, all of your resolutions. I have planned everything from now until July. Um, I'm getting married in June. It's going to be a great year for me, and I hope it is for you too. For today's episode, I have with me an all-time favorite of the online marketing community, Mark Schaefer, and we're going to talk about how to find your alpha audience, those people that actually care about your brand to a level where they engage, interact, and give you feedback, your customers, your raving fans, your true fans, however you want to call them, the people that think about you and your brand at least once a week. So for today's episode, I want you to write down a lot of the notes, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about. Of course, everything is going to be available at rebelgrowth.com forward slash Mark. That's rebelgrowth.com forward slash Mark. Uh, but I want you to write, write down what we're going to talk about and then go and implement what we are going to say about finding this audience because not a lot of people put enough time into finding these specific people inside your audience. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Mark. It is my pleasure to have with me the author of the book, The Content Code, Six Essential Strategies to Ignite Your Content, Your Marketing, and Your Business. The owner of Schaefer Marketing Solutions at businessesgrow.com. Mark, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for being here. Man, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. It is my absolute pleasure. I've been following you for a while. Um, I believe you started blogging about at about around 2008. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, that's about right. That's that's when I left the corporate world and started my business. You have you had some very different insights about how marketing should be done. I remember you used to publish some some posts that were different different to what we were used to seeing mm-hmm. about online marketing marketing and I think that kind of really you know made your blog take off but tell me what drove you to create uh, your blog back then well um, really <clears throat> it was uh, a bit of an experiment because I was uh, I was a, a global di- director of e-business for a big company, and then I st- started to teach and to consult. And I realized to really be a good teacher and to be an effective consultant that I couldn't just talk about this stuff. I had to do it. I, I couldn't teach people about blogging or recommending building a community if I couldn't do it myself. So I started a, a blog, and 
really just kind of as a whim um, just to learn how to do it. But the darn thing took off. And, and, I, and it was, I think, exactly for the reason that you mentioned is that my writing is different because if you look at all the marketing bloggers out there, I mean, uh, I'm probably the most experienced marketer out there. That's one of the benefits of being old, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> is that, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've had every kind of marketing job you can imagine and have faced lots of different problems and hurdles and opportunities. And so I can connect the dots between what really happens in a company and what really happens with people in a company. And sometimes we get, uh, I don't know, kind of caught in our own little bubble in the marketing world and the social media world. And, and we don't really look at it in a practical way. And I think that's what helps me stand out and what my readers love about my writing is that I, I just take a very practical approach and I'll, I'll say things that other people maybe are afraid to say, and, uh, but it needs to be said. Right. Some, sometimes people don't want to show how things are actually done, you know, uh, maybe for the fear of being criticized or perhaps because they just don't want people to implement what they're implementing Mm-hmm. Or because it's part of their their paid content or something, but uh, like I said, I, I really enjoy reading about you. That you know, that's about you as a blogger. Oh, You're not great. afraid to to put things out there. And, yeah, you know. Thanks. It's nice of you to say. Um. So so you started blogging. You started implementing. When when did you see your your blog take off? Actually, you know. Um. Well, it it took about. Nine months before um, I really started getting attention, and um, I, I, I wrote a blog post that was a little bit uh, controversial, and uh, that got a lot of people's attention. And 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 the, and the, th the thing was is that I was really fearful for when I published that post. Um, I was very, very nervous because I knew it could make some people upset, but the reaction was just the opposite. The reaction was, thank goodness, finally, somebody said this. <laughs> this is on everybody's minds. Thank goodness, uh, somebody finally said it. And so it was, I got a whole new audience <clears throat> based on that one post, and that it kind of grew. And then I think... The, the 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 tilt you know the tipping point it it took really about two years for me to find my voice to find my audience to kind of get the right direction and really start ramping up as far as the readership and do you do you remember what the blog post was about oh I sure do <laughs> <laughs> would you mind mentioning it well it was about um, I guess there's uh, back then um, in some in, in really the early days of of social media, um, there was kind of an elite group of bloggers that were kind of like the social media blogging royalty, mm -hmm. and they never they never said anything negative. They I mean they they it was just like one big happy party. And nobody was really talking about the real issues. And nobody disagreed with anybody. 
And my, my post was, you know, we, it's like a country club. And everybody's afraid to say something different or say something wrong and maybe be criticized and maybe be excluded from this elite group of people. But how are we going to learn? How are we going to grow unless we question what's going on? And the reason I wrote it was because, again, in the early days, most of the people blogging in the social media space weren't familiar with marketing. They didn't have a background in marketing. They had a background in, 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 in service or, or, or sales. They had never run a marketing department before. They had never done a marketing strategy before. And I came in and saw some of the advice, which today seems silly. But back then, this is what people were really believing. And I thought, not only is this wrong, this is dangerous because young people are looking up to these people. And you know, this is not the way business is, is done. So I started writing blog posts about this is how business really works. And this is the, the role I see of social media in that ecosystem. And, and that's really what changed everything. You found your voice. I did. That's but it took a, little, took a little courage. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it, it, it always does. Yeah. It always does. Um, I recently published a, a post about how you should focus on finding an audience that fits your personality or your voice in start, in, instead of trying to modify your personality to fit a certain audience that you think is, is the one that you, you should be targeting. Mm. And that really took off because it's, all, it's that whole concept. People loved it because they felt relieved, you know. A lot of people, when they're, they're getting started, for some reason, podcasters, bloggers, content creators, they think that they, they have to have a certain tone because they see their favorite blogger talking about, you know, talking in a certain way or having a certain, you know, personality. Mm -hmm. And they, they think that they have to emulate that. Sure. You know, instead of using the tools that you have available today, doing research, you know, all the tools there's for uh, social media research today um, or Facebook ads, analytics, to find an audience that will fit your personality. For example, mm. um, you know, I'm uh, a native Spanish speaker, mm -hmm. so I know, I know there's a lot of Spanish speakers in the United States that would resonate to, to me Uh, would relate to me. So I target a lot of those people in the United States and, and tell them, hey, we have the same culture um, and that works, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that kind of mm -hmm. things work. And I'm just myself. Uh, I know I make a lot of mistakes. I'm not afraid of, you know, saying things the way that I say things. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that kind of things, you know, feeling relaxed. Otherwise, you might just burn out, you know, hit a wall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, that takes me to, to, to the question, do you think something like the article that you published that was controversial could mm -hmm. be done again today with the amount of content that is getting published today on a daily basis? Well, I, I sure. And I think people, I think people do that. Um, and I want to be careful to, to say that um, a lot of people will see an article that I'll, I'll write and, And they'll say, "Oh, well, that's that's controversial." And I I never intend to be controversial. I mean, that's not my goal. I don't even really think about it. I'm just sure that there's there's something that needs to be said. There's some 
some gap, some misunderstanding mm-hmm. that, that, that bothers me. And usually what happens is I'll see it three times. Once I see it three times, it's time to write a blog post. <laughs> huh. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wrote, for example, there was an, I, I wrote an article about um, how advertising agencies are really doing a disservice to a lot of companies because they're so far behind on social media and the, they're, every social media program, they kind of turn it into advertising. And I was going around and talking to these different companies and I talked to like three different brand managers in 10 days and they all said the same thing about how the advertising agencies are holding them back. I thought, well, you know, maybe this is something that needs to be said. But I, you know, I don't, I think it's dangerous. It's a dangerous game to position yourself as a controversial person. Definitely. Because it's like the bully in a schoolyard fight. Mm -hmm. You might be kind of fascinated to watch a fight on the playground at school but you're never really going to trust that bully. You're never really going to create some emotional connection to that bully. You're always going to kind of be watching him and, and being mistrustful. And, and that's not really how you develop an audience. So um, it is a, a, a fine uh, line. I, I, I just think, you know, I'm, I'm just honest. And what happens a lot of times is I'll write something and people will comment, they'll say, how did you know I was thinking about this? How did you know we were just talking about this at work? So I don't think I'm necessarily, you know, smarter than anybody else. I just have the courage maybe to write about what everybody else is thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to smell the topics in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Now, um, if you don't, if you don't mind sharing with me, how big is your audience today on average on, you know, some numbers that we can have? <laughs> You know, I was just talking to somebody about this that um, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Um, And uh, because it's it's just not a simple question. And let me tell you – so let me tell you what I mean. So every day I I look at a report and it will show how many people, how much traffic is coming to my site, how many page views I might have on uh, a daily basis. Now, so in a month, I'll get about a quarter of a million page views on my site. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they read something, a post, okay? Now, on top of the quarter of a million, I've also got subscribers, so I've got, you know, tens of thousands of people who subscribe. So they'll see an RSS feed, they'll see an email, or this is going into a blog reader of some kind. And so it's not counting as a page hit because they're getting this content a different way. What's the RSS feed, it doesn't really even show you what the open rate is. So you could guess it's maybe 20 or 30%, but who really knows? Now here's where it gets interesting. So then you start repurposing your content. So I'll take a blog post and and maybe I'll cut and paste it and put it as a post on LinkedIn. I'll cut and paste it and put it on a link on something on Facebook. I'll take that same content, the same post, and I'll create a slideshare presentation and a post that might get 10 or 12,000 views on my blog 
I've got one post that has 200,000 views on SlideShare. So what is my audience? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. And, I, and, and it's, it's getting more complicated, not less complicated, because, these, because um, the, the social media um, platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn – they're becoming their own publishing houses. They don't want a link back to your content. They want the content. And so, so I could sit there all day and say, okay, well, how many views did this get on Facebook? How much engagement did this get on Facebook? How many views did this LinkedIn get? How, much, how many views did this get on SlideShare? What do you think the open rate was? And I could try to calculate it. But you know, it's just not worth it. I, I I'd rather spend my time creating great content. So I know it's a weird answer. I really don't know how big my audience is. I may never know how big my audience is. But because you know what an audience is, you know it's not just traffic coming to your site. It's people who cares. Well, right? well now we're getting into the key questions. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, you know? Just yeah, give, give now me, we're <laughs> getting into the interesting part. Yeah, that's what I want to get to um, mm-hmm. because uh, I know what I want to cover and I want I know how I want people to understand how to achieve this and be able to implement it because it's not easy. It's not just how many followers I get or how many traffic I get or, right. you know, how many video views I get, you know? Um, and I think companies, even companies, when, when they want to buy advertisements, <laughs> Ad, perhaps you know they they want to buy a mention with an Instagram uh, celebrity or a YouTube celebrity, and they you know they get pitch because of their numbers. You know, ah, oh, I get so many, I have so many followers. Mm. Yeah, but that's nothing. You know, how how many people actually cares about you? What's the ratio of, of you know follower and lovers, yeah. if, sort of speak? You know, that's what companies should look. You know, too, when when deciding how much to buy, because if you go out and try to buy a banner ad at I don't know, copyblogger.com, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it's they're they're gonna try to charge you. I mean, they don't sell banner ads, but you know, supposing they're gonna try to charge you per per clicks. Right? Yeah. That's what everyone does. But I I don't think that's that's uh, a very smart way to do. I mean, we we are way ahead on you know on the online marketing world to understand that. It's not clicks what matter. It's it's intention. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I'm just throwing things out there. Um, I think the, the 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 analytics world is is behind the technology. I think this is in a way this is what you're kind of hinting at. Yes. That I I look at even big big companies, major companies, major brands with lots of money and putting a lot of money into marketing and influence marketing. There's one, it's a Fortune 100 company. They're still finding their, their influencers by Twitter followers. Yeah. And um, don't even get me started with that. But so um, I, I was talking to another analytics company. And, and so they've got this, this influence model and they rate influencers. And I said, well, what's your formula? How do you determine these influencers? And they said, well, you know, it's basically clout. You know, it's kind of like K-L-O-U-T, which if, if your listeners yeah, aren't familiar, this is a company that was started five years ago 
to use big data to kind of look at how does your content spread. And there is usefulness to that. But hey, that was five years ago. And I think I've got a chapter in my new book which called The Alpha Audience. And this is the chapter that's really creating the most conversation, I think. And the idea here is that the economic driver of, of marketing today, the economic driver of social media and content today is sharing, is social sharing. Social sharing creates advocacy. Social sharing impacts purchasing decisions. Um, the people who are sharing your content, and it's a small, small group. In, in some studies, it shows those people have 150% of the profitability of other customers because they love you, they love the brand, they're less dependent on sales and coupons. And yet, when I go and talk to companies, I've been going around the world for the last year talking about my new book, talking about these ideas, giving speeches, and I'll ask companies, do you know who are the people who share your content the most? No one has been able to tell me. Not one. And, and it's difficult because the, the, sometimes the analytics, it, it, it really doesn't help us. And 70% of the people who are sharing our content are doing it in a way that um, we can't see anyway. They're doing it on email. They're doing it on text messages or something that we can't see and measure. And they might be our most important customer. So we've got to find different ways. We've got to find new ways. We've got to listen to the signals in different ways to find those people. I'll give you a, a, a recent example from, it was a, quite an eye-opening experience. I, I started, I did this experiment on my blog and I said, hey, you know, I've been blogging for seven years now and um, if you... If you'd like to be a patron of the blog and give me a couple bucks every month just to show, hey, I appreciate what you're doing, I'm going to create this private Facebook group and we'll kind of talk about the inside story of what's going on with my blog and my books and, and what's going on. And so here was a, what was amazing. So these are the most passionate people about my blog. Half of the people that signed up, I've never heard of before. Hmm. And, 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 but this is my alpha audience. So we have to discover new ways to find these people who might be in the dark because those are the people who are talking about us. Those are the people who are advocates for us. Uh, and uh, so it's a very, very interesting topic. It's a topic that I think we're just getting started uh, really fleshing it out and figuring what it's all about. So it's basically a small portion of what you think it's your actual audience. Uh, it's the people that actually take action on what you ultimately want to take action. Yeah, I mean, for most businesses, it's, it's about 2% of your audience or less. Hmm. And I think, wouldn't this be a great marketing plan for 2016? I'm going to find that 2%. I'm going to nurture that 2%. I'm going to re reward them and love on them and celebrate them. 
And I'm going to turn that 2% into 3% and then 4%. Don't you think that would be a, a great leading indicator of sales? Don't you think if you worked on building this, this, this fanatical online advocacy that your competitors wouldn't know what hit them? I believe this is one of the most important things we can do in marketing today. And people aren't really thinking that way yet. It's definitely something that I, I see uh, a startup being able to leverage early on. I mean, what, what a fantastic, um, you know, uh, advantage, uh, especially because a large company wouldn't have the same time uh, and resources. I mean, they would have more resources, but they, they wouldn't have the same time and energy to implement into perhaps being more personalized or more... Um, you know, more customized, more, you, you know, uh, care about, you know, the little guy finding out and mentioning them or, or rewarding them in whatever way possible. Um, but here's, here's a question that, that intrigues me a lot. Um, I, I feel safe saying that you're an influencer in, you know, a recognized uh, personality in the marketing space, in the business space. Do you think that other people of your level and recognition care about who their alpha audience is today. Do you think that's something that they're looking at? No. I, I, I think most people still just look at, at numbers because that's what they're being rewarded for. So, I mean, let's face it. There are some people out there that, that you know, what's their influence? Um, there are people out there that, that, that are included kind of in this influence space who don't even really blog on a regular basis. Um, they don't really have a podcast. I mean, you just look at what are they really saying? What are they really contributing? What is their source of power? What is their source of influence? Are they really a thought leader or do they have 250,000 followers on Twitter? Yeah. Is that what really matters? And so, you know, whether you like it or not, this social proof, this social validation of having hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers, if the companies don't know any better and that's what they're rewarding, why focus on anything else? So I, I think the way I'm thinking about this, it's kind of ahead of its time, really. And that's why I said the measurements really haven't caught up. But I think... As this space gets more and more competitive, we have to look at this. We have to look at impact. We have to look at behavior. We have to look at something other than something that's fanciful like Twitter followers and, and say, what is this person really saying? How do people really respond to this person? Um, and... Uh, I, I think that's what's important, and I think the the smartest companies, the smartest brands, will start to be thinking this way. Absolutely. Now, all right. So it's clear that you have to start thinking about identifying your alpha audience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, once you identify in some way, shape, or form, why why do you think people share? Well, there are lots of reasons why people share content, but there are three big ones. 
number one, they share as an extension of their self-identity. It makes them look cool, or it makes them look funny, or it makes them look smart. So it's kind of part of their brand. I don't think people think about that. I don't think they process it that way. But they'll say, oh, boy, you know, this is, this is cool. I'll look cool if I share this kind of content. The second reason people share content is a simple act of generosity and kindness. So there aren't a lot of ways in our world today where we can help people every day. But by sharing something interesting, we can. So you might see something that says, oh, my gosh, my mother would love this. I will share it with her. Oh, this made me laugh or this inspired me. I want to share it with my friends. The third reason is quite interesting because it has nothing to do with the content at all and everything to do with the person who shares it, who, who creates it, the content creator, the person, the business, or the brand that creates it. Some people just, just believe in an organization or believe in a person so much that they'll share that content no matter what it is, really. They just want to be part of it. They just want to help this person, support this person, show their support and love. So this suggests that, that branding and developing this, this, this brand is it's more important than ever. It's, 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 actually, it's, it's just absolutely vital to being part of this formula of standing out today in this very crowded, information-dense market. So by identifying, uh, by identifying some of your top you know, followers or true mm -hmm. followers, your alpha mm -hmm. audience, um, and understanding how people or why people share, what are some actions that you could see someone being able to take to improve their sharing? Well, there are lots, lots and lots of things. And um, so I actually literally became obsessed with this for about a year as I was writing this book, trying to figure out how do we get our content to be seen and shared? Because let's face it, the economic value of content that's not seen and shared is zero. There's, there's no economic value. In fact, there's negative economic value because you've put this time and money into this content. And if it doesn't go anywhere, then um, what do you, you know, why are you doing it? So the focus, the focus must be on ignition, on getting that content to move. So we have to learn who's doing it, why are they doing it, where are they doing it, and what are the obstacles that we can remove to make it so easy for people to share content. And a lot of people kind of dismiss BuzzFeed as something that's not very serious yeah it's 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 fun but it's kind of like cotton candy it's you know you get a mouthful of it and you, you can't really take too much of it it's not very serious or nutritious but buzzfeed is a data company they are data scientists and we can learn a lot because they are the best in the world at getting content to move there's a science behind their headlines there's a science behind the length of their content, the type of the content, the format, the pictures, the captions, the leads. 
there's a, there's a science and a, and a and a database behind all of it. It's a it's it's formulaic in some ways, but it's a formula that works. There's no reason that we can't apply some of those formulas and some of those best practices to business content, to serious content. And as a matter of fact, BuzzFeed is getting into serious news. Uh, That's, I think, exactly what they're going to do. I think that's what they're going to prove. And so my book is full of different ideas that are really don't cost anything. And they're available to businesses, individuals, uh, individual bloggers even, and entrepreneurs. It, it, you can go through the book and get dozens and dozens of ideas to help your content be more successful today than it was a week ago. Yeah, and that's what matters. I mean, um, it, it, because you, you can't just let all of these just be fluff in your head. You know, you, mm-hmm. have, to, you have to understand where you want to go, where you're going to start, and you have to create an, a simple path to getting there. Right, and that simple path are the actions that you have to take, and mm-hmm. and those are, are you know uh, actions that can be measured. You know uh, the kind of images that you're going to share, uh, the kind of colors that resonate with your audience, uh, based on you know I don't know demographics, culture, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, the length, like you said, uh, the length of your content, uh, the emotion, the the personality, everything, and then you know actually implement it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So those uh, any key takeaways that you would provide someone, uh, you know, that that they want to to embrace this process. Well, I think, um, like I said, the the book is full of literally dozens and dozens of ideas that are that are very simple. They're very free to use. I think the first place I would start is probably looking at optimizing headlines. <clears throat> so um, I look at a lot of different blogs, and I'll see a headline that's, that's something like this. Um, Twitter tips part five. Now, why in the world would I read that post? It could be an excellent post. This person might have put hours and hours and hours into it. But first of all, Twitter tips doesn't tell me anything. It, it, what's new about it? What's different about it? What, how, how does this going to appeal to me? What problem is this going to solve? And then you put part five on it, and that's just a big disappointment because you think, well, I didn't see point, p- the first four parts. I'm probably going to be lost. Why would I open this? Hmm. So just paying it, to, if you don't have a great headline, and there's a section in the book that teaches you how to write great headlines. And if you don't write a great headline, people are going to be stopped at the door. They're never even going to open your post. So we need to be thinking about things. Here's another thing that's quite shocking to me. There's a lot of research that shows that 50% of the content creators out there don't have social sharing buttons on their content. 50%. If you just add social sharing buttons, you can increase the sharing of your content immediately by 700%. Why put people to that work? Another thing is if you do put a social sharing button, is it optimized? And what I mean by that, I, you go to a site and let's say you hit the tweet button. So the tweet button, sometimes it does, it'll have the URL, but not the headline. 
Sometimes it'll have the headline, but the URL is too long. It doesn't even fit in a tweet. Sometimes it doesn't have the, the, the handle from the author. So you're not, and you can put that as a default in your tweet, tweet button, so it's always there. Why write content and not get credit for it? So it's little things like this that add up. And if you start paying attention to these details, both big and little, then you're going to remove all the obstacles. And of course, you know you you, you can't just be putting out crap. It's it, the the whole idea behind this is that you're starting with great content. Now you've got to get. Now you've got to find a way to get it to move. Right, Mark. Um, here's a question. The only question that I ask every single guest on my show. Uh, sort of the rather growth signature question. And it go, goes perfectly well with this episode. Who is your avatar or your your ideal customer? My ideal customer. Oh, let's see. Probably would be maybe a supermodel. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, um, yeah, a supermodel or someone from my favorite baseball team. That. The, my ideal customer I, is, is I work with a lot of big brands. And the, the biggest predictor of success is not the money or the budget or the vision or the people. It's the culture of the company. Do they get it? Do they understand it? Are they willing to really be devoted to it and, and proceed? So my ideal customer would be um, a big brand who is creating a culture ready for success and needs the extra edge to move ahead of their competition because that's what I do. I try I find where can we maneuver versus our competition and win. That's 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 my job. <laughs> Splendid. Mark, um anywhere you want to send people to any last words um anywhere people can go to listen to you or learn more from you. Well, it's really quite easy. You can find everything about me on my website, businessesgrow.com. There you can find my blog, my podcast, free slide share presentations, and lots of cool resources for businesses of every size. Mark, this has been a wonderful conversation. A few, few times do I get so excited about a topic. I don't know. Oh, that's so what nice it was. Of you to say. Yeah, I don't know why it was about this specific uh -huh. interview. I really got, you know, I really felt the connection. Thank you so much for for everything and 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 making Welcome. an effort to provide value. And I really hope to see you again in the future. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did with Mark Schaefer. I hope you took the proper notes and go and implement. Go and find your alpha audience. Everything that we mentioned is going to be available at rebelgrowth.com forward slash Mark. Go there, check out the, uh, the show notes, the resources that, that we said. Until next week, guys, grab your notes and go implement and keep on growing.